0: Good morning, every nation. So good to be in the house of the Lord, even when it's a long weekend. Glad to see you here at church, not sleeping in. It is my joy this morning to share the word with you. And also to mention that next week, Sunday, we have Pastor Jim LaFoon, who will be bringing the word for us. Uh, if you don't know who Pastor Jim is, he's a five-fold minister, prophet in the body of Christ, and he will be uh, teaching at the Leaders Conference this coming week in Cape Town. And uh, on Sunday, he will be with us. Also, I'm so privileged to have uh, my dear friend, Olajide Pariola. If you can please stand and wave. Olajide uh, he was here for the campus conference. Uh, he is one of the leaders, pastors, uh, back in Cape Town. But we always need to remind the Cape Town people that he was discipled here in Joburg. And we sent him as a missionary uh, to Cape Town. Uh, we are slowly trying to bring him back home. A little bit later, Pastor Jireh is going to give us a word that the Lord has impressed in his heart. So friends, as we've been doing the series on work, today we conclude the series. We have been looking at the Prince Or princess in preparation, in process, and in power. And uh, I don't know how many of you have enjoyed the series. I think it's taken us deeper in terms of our understanding of what God wants work to be. God doesn't want work to be prison. God wants our work to be a place of destiny. And as we have been praying, the impression that we had is today, people are going to have an encounter with God in your understanding of who God has called you to be in the marketplace. You will have an encounter with Jesus to know that God has placed you in positions of influence to bring kingdom solutions where God has placed you to be. We trust in God that you will understand that God has placed you there for such a time as this. Amen. So don't see your job just as I get to work and I get my paycheck, I get paid to work, but you are there to bring kingdom revelation. Amen. That's why we are at work. So when we look at this uh portion of scripture in uh, Genesis 41, I thought I should uh, submit this to you as a way to pull together the series that we have been doing. And I want to submit this to you, that character is shaped in the pit, tested in prison, and displayed in the palace. Character is shaped and formed in the pit. Character is shaped and formed in that place where you feel like things are not working out. That's when God is at work. Character is tested when you are in prison and character is displaced and exposed when you get to that place of power, when you get to that place of influence. And when I think of Joseph through this lens, because this is what we get the template from. Joseph, while he was in the pit, he could have cried out to God and said, God, my Lord, my Lord, why have you forsaken me? But it was at that time when God was shaping character. When Joseph was in prison, he could have said, Lord. The dreams that you've given me, the visions, the promises you've given me, where are they? But he chose not to give up on the dreams and the visions that God had given him. He chose to believe that God, he who promised, is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And the Bible says not one of all the promises that were given to Israel failed. All of them, all of them were accomplished. And let me bring your attention to this. It is in the place of power. It is in the palace that your character is displayed. It is not a time at now to start thinking, now that you're a promotion, you're a CEO of a company, you're a president. It is not time to say, what, what, what are my values? You should have formed your values, be clear with your values while you were being in the place of preparation. Look at all the presidents today. Look at all the CEOs today. Look at all hospital managers, all the people who are in places of influence. It's not time to build character. It's time when your character is exposed. Because it is when you have power, we will know who you really are. You know, interesting enough, um, listening to uh, Daniel Rangel at the Business Breakfast, part of the Arzum project that we had recently, he said these words that stayed with me. Nothing produces failure like success. Nothing produces failure like success. You know what tends to happen is this. We think that when we become successful, we'll become important. If you don't know that you are important right now, when you become successful, that will not give you significance. You need to know that you're important right now. You need to know your significance as a child and daughter of the king, that you are significant and important right now. You know, when Daniel was speaking to us, he gave us some stats and stories that helped us understand where he comes from. When he says success produces failure, he said there was a young man who was so successful, he built his business and it, 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 it was doing so well that he went and he had people who wanted to buy his business. But before he sold his business, he thought to myself, let me go and meet with some CEOs who've become successful, and and some of them already retired, and ask them, you know, how was it for them to get to that place of success? And the interesting thing is, there were three things that he discovered just talking to the CEOs. Uh, He interviewed 40 CEOs, and he asked them the question, did you end up becoming who you thought you would become and achieve the things that you wanted to achieve. This is how they answered. They said that we had thought that when we become CEOs and become successful, we'll spend more time with our families. At that point, 33 of the 40 CEOs were divorced. 33 of the 40 were divorced. So working hard, thinking that you will get time when you get to a place of success for your family, you may have already lost them. The second thing they said was they thought that they would have time to be on the golf course the whole time. And guess what? They were not on the golf course the whole time. There were other things that drew their attention. And thirdly, they had a, a crisis of meaning. A crisis of importance. They did not know who they they were. Because at times we find significance and identity from the things that we do. That when those things are taken away from us, we don't know who we are. Character is shaped and formed in the pit. It is tested in the prison. And when you get to a place of power, you already know who you are. So let's go to Genesis 41 today. Let's read Genesis 41. See how Joseph carried himself when he got to a place of power. It's very interesting that some of us here, I know that you've actually made that vow that when you get to a place of power, you're going to show some of those people who mistreated you who you are. Let's be real here. You know, before we look at uh, Joseph, let's just clear that one out. Let's clear it out. You, you told yourself that when you become the boss, they will know who you are. In fact, in my home language, we have a phrase, batankitsi. And so, they, they will know who I am. How many of you have said that to yourself? Is it only me? All right, I see some people who are very honest here. When I get there, they will know who I am. Some of us have said that, you know, I will sort them out. You know, Joseph is a good example of that because when I think of Joseph, you know, when he got to the palace, he could have said, I'm going to start with Potiphar and his wife show them who I am. He could have said, I'm going to go to my brothers who hated me and said evil things about me. I'm going to show them who I am. But Joseph did not do that. Let's read. Genesis 41 from verse 1. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile and when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those in the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek cows. Then Pharaoh woke up, and then he fell asleep again, and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing in a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men in Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream. The same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, that's Joseph. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Let's pause there for a little bit. Have you ever had this phrase, always have a suit and tie ready for such a time as this? For moments like this. So for you ladies, I don't know if it's a power dress. I don't know how it looks like, but have it ready. (laughs) Whatever it may be, have it ready. Have it ready. For when the time of the palace come, you are ready. Amen. Whatever the power dress is. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. May the Lord bless the reading and the teaching of his word. Amen. When I read this portion of scripture, I realize that Joseph, even though he lived in the Old Testament days, he understood this very important and powerful principle that everything is from him. Everything is through Him and everything is for Him. Everything is from God. Everything is through God and everything is for His glory. It is coming from Romans eleven thirty six. For Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, this scripture is a realization that God is the source. God is our source. We need to start with a presupposition of understanding that it, it is not man who gave us the gifts and talents that we have. They came from God. I mean, Joseph uses this powerful words: I cannot do it, but God can. Some of us here today, I believe God is bringing you to that place of understanding that he is your source, that God is your source. If you have maybe walked with pride and thought that everything that you have, you brought it on yourself, by yourself. No, 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 no. Think that God is your source. He is your source. Joseph learned to put his trust in God. Everywhere he went, he was put in charge. Let's revisit that history a little bit. In Genesis 39, the Bible says, Potiphar put Joseph in charge of his household. And he entrusted everything to his care. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and, that he, and all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. I mean, just that phrase, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. That's powerful. It is for us to understand that in our workplace, our companies, wherever you may be working, they don't know that they are blessed because of you being there. If they're going to fire you, the business is going down. Maybe you don't have that revelation. Maybe the business won't go down because there'll be other Christians still there. God has blessed that place because you are there. You know, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a lady who owns uh, one of the coffee shops around the corner. That spot is is our second office. You know, since Guru Coffee Shop is closed, we found another office right around the corner. You know, I went to this lady and I asked her, you know, I I see that the business is doing very well now. You know, the place is busy and everything. And she said, it is because of you guys. It is because of you guys that my business is doing well. It's because when she opened, we spent some time praying for her and believing that she will prosper. But she understands that it is because of us that she's blessed. So friends, let me just bring it to you this way this morning. We sometimes don't understand the power that we carry. We don't understand the influence that we carry. We don't understand that God has placed us in certain places to change the atmosphere and the environment. Because you are there, the environment should change. Gossip levels must go down. Amen. Amen. Because you are there, the, the, the politics that are in the company must go down. Because someone comes in to pray for the politics of the company to go down. You are there to change the atmosphere. You are there to bring not only the blessing of God, but to bring the kingdom of God. The Bible says wherever we step in, the kingdom of God has arrived. I like the fact that when you read verse 22 of the same portion, it says, when Joseph was in prison, the prison warden put him in charge. And this phrase is so powerful. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. The Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. But this phrase actually tells me. This phrase that the warden paid no attention. The Bible says Pharaoh, uh, Potiphar, concerned himself with nothing that was under Joseph's care. And I thought to myself, for all of us sitting here saying we are Christians, whether you own your own business or you, or, or you work for someone else, when something is delegated to you, can your leader or your boss sleep at night? Or do they have. To micromanage you? Do they have to keep checking on you? Not sure that you are going to do as you promised. Can you be trusted? Because remember what the Bible says, those who are trusted with a little will be entrusted with, the, with more. So I want to challenge you to be faithful with the little that God has given you. The Lord was with Joseph and he gave him success in whatever he did. So everywhere Joseph went, he was put in charge. Because he had the spirit of excellence and God's favor was upon him. Because he understood that God is the source. God is the source. If we understand that God is the source, it is easy to give him the glory. And you don't keep the glory to yourself. That is one of the things I've learned as a minister of the gospel. That one thing that God will not share with anyone, it's his glory. God will not share his glory with anyone. So Joseph was doing the most. For those who understand the term, Joseph was doing the most. Let me explain that to you for those who may not understand. Joseph went the extra mile. Joseph gave his all to his work. That's why we say there was a spirit of excellence over him. He did the most. Joseph gave his best. But I want to say this to you. Even if you give your best, it's important to give your best with boundaries. Some of us work during the day. We work during the night. We work on Saturday. We work on Sunday. We never stop working. The principle of Sabbath is understanding that when we rest, God goes to work on our behalf. When we rest, we're actually trusting that God will look after us. If we don't rest, we're saying, God, I, I, you're not the source. I, I'm, I'll do this by myself. We need to learn the principle of Sabbath, of resting and stopping from work and withdrawing and celebrate life and celebrate what God has given us. So that when we become successful and thinking now we're going to have time with our families, it may just be too late. We need to withdraw and rest. The second thing that's so profound about the story that we read about Joseph, he understood that everything is through him. Now this is about partnering with the Holy Spirit. This is about partnering with God in everything that you do. Let me just check if you do understand this whole concept of partnering with God. How many of you here would like to partner with Patrice Musepe, assuming that you know who he is? How many? Let me just see. I want to see with a show of hands. Okay, great. Awesome. It's a good sign. How many of you here would like to partner with Elon Musk, assuming you know who he is? A few hands. How many of you here would like to partner with Google? Few of you here, awesome. How many of you here would like to partner with Apple? Okay, cool, cool, cool. How many of you here would like to partner with KPMG? <laughs> thank you, thank you. I got a witness. Those are people with faith right there. I speak it, brother. I speak it over you in Jesus' name. Now, why did we do that quiz? Most of us here, we don't have a realization and an understanding that we partner with the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. The takeaway for this sermon, I'm hoping and trusting that you'll understand that when you partner with God, He gives you certain solutions that you will not be able to get on your own. When you partner with the Holy Spirit, He gives you certain revelations that you will not get on your own. We partner with the king of kings, the creator of heaven and earth. We are in partnership with that God. The Bible says the power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. If we can just tap into that power. I know of times when I have not tapped into that power. I've missed so much out. Because he is there even in the boardroom you can communicate with him. He is there in the job interview that you're going to or you've been to. He is there with you. I like this very part before we become practical. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams and said there will be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. And he did not end there. He provided a solution. He provided a kingdom solution. He gave wise counsel and he submitted his proposal. So he told Pharaoh, he says, this is what I see. After interpreting the dream, he says, Look for descending and wise men. Put them in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. By the way, that's the scripture that Snare read earlier on. You know, Pharaoh said, take 20%. God says, I just want 10%. It all belongs to me anyway. But Pharaoh says, 20%. This is as Joseph was advising. You wonder where taxation came from? Right here. It's no longer 20%. In the next portion of Scripture, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man? One in whom is the Spirit of God. One in whom is the Spirit of God. So that's the thing that we're trusting and praying for with this work series. That we will understand that we have the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God. I call it a competitive advantage that we have as Christians, but we don't tap into it. We have it, but we don't tap into it. Can we find anyone like this man? One in whom? is the Spirit of God. This is it. God gave Joseph wisdom to bring kingdom provision, kingdom reconciliation, kingdom creativity, kingdom order, and kingdom solutions. We have no time to go into the history of how Joseph, God used him to help the Egyptians to build a bridges, to come up with pyramids. And it was all kingdom order and kingdom solutions that God said you can be able to do it. All you have to do is to tap into the power that is inside of you. Tap into the power that is inside of you. As we talk about tapping into the power of God, I want to just submit a few things to you that, you know, the ills that are facing our society today, we as Christians, we need to go to God on our knees and say, God, give us solutions for what is troubling our nation. You know, on the 26th of uh, May, on a Saturday, this is an invitation, we're going to have a land think tank we're going to discuss the issue of the land and say, what does the Scripture say about the land? And we're going to also look at the legislative framework, and then we're going to send a submission to government as the church say, this is what the Bible says. Whether they listen to us or not, we will say, this is what the Scripture says. We know that it is an emotive thing talking about the land, but the Bible addresses it. The Bible has got answers with all these things. There's a group that has been doing some research in the issue of the land, and we've, uh, we, we came across w- one of the uh, elders at Every Nation Church in Cape Town. He was the first land commissioner during Nelson Mandela's presidency. I mean, he's in the church, and he understands the whole land issue, and therefore we're going to try and see if we can get him on the 26th to come and give us some uh, legislative framework and also the research that is already done in this area. So I'm challenging us That if we go to Scripture and if we go to God and tap into the power of the Spirit, we'll be amazed what we'll come up with. On Thursday, I was sitting with a guy who comes to our church. He's He's just been promoted as a senior business developer, a business development for this big bank here in South Africa. And as I was talking with him, and he was explaining that since he got his promotion, he went to the Lord and said, "God." I don't want to do this job just like my predecessor. I want to hear from you. How do you want me to do this job? You know, God revealed to him that, you know, if you can embed into your products social development, CSI, you know, corporate social investment, in your product that you're already offering to your clients, check how that will work out for you. And he went and he started putting out to his clients this new product that he's bringing into the market on Wednesday, I met with him on Thursday. He had just signed his first deal. I mean, his first deal—it's so much money, like the whole budget of the church in one year in one deal. I thought, my goodness, man, there's money in South Africa. I thought to myself, my goodness, there is money. I just asked him, Bruce, are you gonna tithe? Just ask him. Just. Check. I mean, tithing from net or from gross? Just checking. In closing, everything is from him, everything is through him, everything is for him. You know, when you follow the story of Joseph, right where we started, he could have said, when I get to the place of power, I'll show my brothers. When you read Genesis 37, the Bible says they hated him and they spoke evil about him. But look how Jacob responds. Joseph responds when he gets to a place of power. This is what tells me. He says, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. I'm in the, uh, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and he spoke kindly of them. They did not have any kind words about him, but now he's in a place of of, of palace. He's in a place of power. He can actually just annihilate them. He can just destroy them, but he chooses to bless them. Joseph chooses to bless the people that attacked him. Joseph chooses to bless the people that spoke evil about him because God is in the business of saving lives. God is in the business of saving lives. Let's stand to pray. We're going to close differently this morning. The reason we have the band here is because we want to minister to people this morning. We want to minister this whole partnership, partnering with the Holy Spirit. And the reason we're doing that is, as I was preparing, I had this vision saw in the Spirit some of us here on a boat and the boat was just coasting along and it was because the sails of the boat were not stretched were not open and God was saying for you to have the wind of the Holy Spirit to take you in the direction where God wants you to go you need to stretch your sails you need to open up your sails so that the wind of the Spirit can come and I saw a lot of us here, we had lost that connection with the Holy Spirit that our, our sails are not stretched. Therefore, the Holy Spirit cannot blow us and move us in the direction where God wants us to go. So I want to pray first for people who are here and they say, but I am not in partnership with God. I don't have a relationship with God. I have not given my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. First, let me pray for you. If you are here and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life, just raise your hand right where you are. Just raise your hand. Thank you there at the back. Just be bold and raise your hand to God. Just say, I need to get into partnership with God. Just raise your hand wherever you are so we can pray with you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? We don't want to shut you out. We don't want to close the service without giving you an opportunity without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? Just raise your hand wherever you are. Thank you, my brother. If you are feeling this tug in your spirit, it is the Holy Spirit speaking to you that today is your day to give your life to Jesus. For those who raise your hand, I'm going to ask you to be bold and to step to the front so we can pray for you. For those who raise their hand, come to the front. If you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to come, Come so we can pray for you. Thank you, my brother. Stand right here. Thank you, my brother. If you raise your hand, please come so we can pray with you. Please walk with them. If you're standing next to them, just walk with them to the front. Thank you, my brother. Thank you. Awesome. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, my sister, for coming. I'm going to ask Maureen to go and spend some time with you. They're going to pray with you over the side can please go with the lady over the side she's going to pray with you thank you thank you so much thank you awesome Pastor Olajide has got a word for us and this word is tying in very well with what I was sharing and then we're going to call people to come to the front today we want to lay hands on you there's a specific reason why we feel like we need to lay hands on you and trust God for this invitation go ahead
1: thank you just want to say this over the weekend we had our campus conference and it was called kingdom come and one of the pastors shared and he said you know the kingdom of god is not something that you come into on sunday and then you leave and you go to work on monday and you come back and visit it it really ties the world Pastor someone was saying of saying the kingdom of god is in us it dwells in us as we step into places we carry the presence of god with us can you say amen to that and what I want to share with you this morning, really, was something that the Lord dropped in my spirit in the first service. It's from the book of Luke, chapter 23. And in verse 34, the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking. And it ties up with this word because we see this in the life of Joseph just now. Joseph saying to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God meant for good. And Jesus, on the cross of Calvary, he says, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I'm here to tell you that some of us may not be able to connect with what God is trying to do in this season because we're still carrying unforgiveness in our hearts. And unforgiveness is blocking you from connecting with what God wants to do in your life. And I'm here to tell you that God wants you to forgive those people. Because first of all, forgiveness is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Hallelujah. It's a commandment. And secondly, He says, forgive them for they don't know what they do. The people who have hurt you did not know what they were doing when they were doing the things to you. So release those people and let them go. Because if they had seen through the eyes of Christ to see who you really are, they would not do what they did to you. Hallelujah. So God bless you. If you want to come down for prayer, as we pray for you to partner with the Holy Spirit, please come forth. If you want to pray for forgiveness as well, come forth. Let's pray with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Olajide. Can I ask the ministry team? connect group leaders to come as we pray for people so there's three groups of people we're going to lay hands on you tell the person that's praying for you what you're coming from. if you need prayer forgiveness maybe you need to forgive some people that have hurt you people that have said certain things about you come for that if you know that you need to partner with the Holy Spirit in a new way that you've not partnered with the Holy Spirit come we're going to pray for you and thirdly, we want to pray for people who are in government, who work for NGOs, for parastatals, also come. We want to pray for you. We believe there's a specific invitation for you this morning in the presence of God. And as the worship team continue to worship, let us all join in worship and if you need to run, you can run, but we want to linger longer in the presence of God.
2: Calling. Have you come to the end of self? So? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. with the precious blood of Jesus Christ leave behind your regrets and mistakes come today away. Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is blood of jesus christ oh come to the altar the father's arms are